It's force of Philip on the track. Yo, I didn't think about it this way before. But when I stopped casting Brainstorm, I realized all you players are junders. You're just a bunch of junders, bro. Two for ones in top decks. Green Sun Zenith prospects. Well, if you don't cast Thoughtseize turn one, then I don't want to hear no chat about blunders. You players are junders. Lilies and bobs and oozes. Tomagoy bruises. Colagons command chooses. Discard Shatterer twofers. Disentomb endurance. Punishing fires looping. And you losing cause we him into to rock. So you're playing off the top. Cascading always goes for broke. Lightning gonna hit you with the smoke. These braids are flapping off your blood. Tap four, we cast a Dracula. Collect another trophy. Assassinate you when we play Enchantress. We back to nature. So pay eight life, you fucking coward. Flex your grip like it's full of power. Forget the student, get your racket. Mass for losers, just keep attacking. Who cares if Uro blanks your deck? We're in too deep to course correct. We're some availed, we'll cling to dust. Curse the cup all the way Lily does. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying to you just yet, but if you ain't cast and brainstorm, then you gotta keep the fucking pressure on them. Jund will fuck up DNT, wrath the board, pernicious deeds. They'll rebuild what we're engineering, explosive, side of clearing. But please don't try to go recruit and last hope will smack it and abuse it. This is madness. Fatal push, commit war crimes, George W. Bush. Bruh, I get it, all the good cards are in blue. And Merc Tide is an absolute fucking beating. But if you don't cast Lord Siege turn one, then I don't want to hear no qualms about dragons. Pyro blasting, fuck escaping Uro and his dumb play patterns. Surgical extraction, calls games like James Madden. Tough acting to acting, and now we're gaining some traction by dashing in Ragavan the Goat, casting cards off the deck. And if they be playing blue, then they'll show us some respect. We used to play the cards, they traded one for one, but then they changed the bar, and that was undone. And now the black cards were unplayable, but we jumped so hard we're unassailable, uh. Hello and welcome to Eternal Doodles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how is it going, man? Dude, it is delightful. Uh, I am excited to talk about magic today. I'm I'm on a, I'm on a dense losing streak, and that's just because I'm like trying out a bunch of yeah. ideas. You know, we're you're out there brewing. Them. We're out there. We're out here brewing. We're we're experimenting. We're scientists, and like it, it, it's it's a fun time when you are taking. You're taking losses, but you're learning from the losses. And so they feel they're actually meaningfully moving you forward. And so I'm I'm actually more excited to talk about that stuff than normal because I've been like running these sorts of experiments. Phil, I've got a co- I got a couple questions for you before we get into the meat of the cast. One, are you wearing shorts today? I'm wearing shorts. Bro, it is really lovely. Now, I, it is really lovely. I got full leg here, man. Like I'm I'm wearing shorts today. I, I, I'm actually wearing I'm wearing uh, like workout joggers. I'm yeah. Wearing, so they're, so they're, but they are light. You know it is nice. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. What a great day it is today. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, we're recording on Thursday, so uh, just a wonderful day out. I took the dog for a good long walk. I'm uh, uh, spring is here, guys. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're gonna get we're gonna be the the fittest the fittest. Oh God, you're gonna make podcast. me start working out. We're gonna we gotta work out, bro. We gotta we gotta be. I think the, if the you just work out, we, we still will be the fittest Magic the Gathering podcast. <laughs> We're we're gonna we're gonna become we're gonna be the first Magic the Gathering bodybuilders is what we're gonna do. Yeah, all right. In in honor and celebration of us hitting 500 subscribers, so thank you everyone that has subscribed to the podcast. Thank you everyone who's liked, commented, all that stuff. If you've liked or commented, do it again. That helps out so much. In honor of that, we wanted to talk about ABC deck building. A lot of people ask us about ABC deck building, and I think uh, 
you know, this is it. This is the masterclass for ABC deck building. What do you say? You know, I, so first off, yeah, thanks to everybody for getting us to 500. Our goal for the end of the year is 1,000 subscribers. So getting halfway there before the halfway mark of the year is means that we're, like, we're on trajectory, which which feels cool. Uh, you know, when, when people are reaching out for like a specific episode, like, hey, where's the go-to for a discussion of this kind of deck building theory? I was actually surprised we hadn't done one because we talk about it a lot. We talk about it all I, the time. Right. I, I just I didn't realize that we didn't have like a dedicated episode to like here's where it is, here's why you should use it, here's where it would be effective and helpful for for people. So yeah, I mean let, this is it. Let's 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 this talk about it. it. I think I think one of the first things we should talk about is how there's not an there there is an A, B, and a C to ABC deck building, but that's not I don't think that's how we want to approach the concept of ABC deck building, right? So I think we we want to start off with what the theorem is, right? Like let What's me let the me best preface, way to describe the theorem. I, I, I want to preface this with this, there is this isn't the only way to build a deck. Everybody, this isn't the only way to build a deck. Okay. There's there there are tons of ways that you can build decks. This is not the only one. There's millions of ways you can tell a story. There is there's not only one way to do it. This is just one of the ways to do it. It's one that I've been using for a long time that has helped me come up with like a lot of brews and has helped me uh inform my decision making process across them and particularly. Uh, as somebody who has been working on miracles forever, as it feels like at this point, that it has helped me inform my decisions in that process of being able to maintain that archetype it, to any amount of playability in its present day, despite having gone through uh, iterations of bands. And then similarly, stuff that might be useful in that space, similar to like Delver going through a band, looking at we are with the meta right now. But yeah. let me just preface, if for anybody who's like, oh, I don't agree with this, there are many, many ways to build decks. This is just one of them that yeah. we have conceived and sort of iterated upon. Okay, so the the first thing, the, the theorem behind uh, ABC deck building is identifying what the legacy power level thing is to do, maximizing that, and then making that as consistent as possible. Th that's the theorem. The theorem is really like identify the legacy power level thing to do, maximize it with an, with an enabler effectively, and then turn it through to make it consistent. So yeah. legacy power level thing, enabler, consistency. That's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, in, so, in, in, in its simplest terms. So uh, a great, I think a great way to sort of make this point more clear and have us uh, have everyone kind of understand how that works would be to take a deck that is well known in the format and sort of break down how that can be applied to ABC deck building. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the usually the decks that aren't combo decks, right, that are looking to end the game before you would need any additional piece. Uh, so more often than not, those are referred to as like A plus B combo decks, right? It's like your show and tell plus fatty, right? The game is supposed to end when that happens. So like yeah. needing to go beyond that isn't necessarily a useful faction. Uh, but for top decks, like right now, I think one of the top decks, uh, is all the variations of painter deck naming conventions can actually be pretty confusing. I think deck, deck naming is often really misleading, uh, in terms of how to approach uh, a deck and how to to combat it or how to 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 build around it. We, we might as well take Painter as an example because it it does fall pretty pretty nicely into ABC theory. We'll have a deck list for Painter below. The most difficult part about ABC deck building, if you're not doing it from scratch on a deck, right? If you're coming to if you're looking at a metagame and analyzing decks that are part of that metagame and trying to identify what is the the legacy power level thing to do, that, that identifying that I think is the biggest hurdle because yeah. that is what informs the rest of the deck building process and then can inform the axis on which those decks can compete. So for example, in, in my, it is my point of view, I assume the position that all of the painter decks, red painter, blue painter, even the, the, the eight cast variants of, of blue painter, 
they are all Urza Saga decks first. They yes. happen to have the painter combo in them, but the legacy power level thing to do is the card Urza Saga. And so looking at that as like, this is the, the reason to play the deck in legacy before you look at any of the other stuff in the deck is Urza Saga. Urza Saga by itself is a legacy power level thing to do. Okay, that's your plan A. Because you're playing Urza Saga, it makes sense that you'd want your B plan, which because you can tutor for the grindstone, nice that Urza Saga kind of just lends itself to doing all of the things all the time for free, which is kind of why it's such a, uh, why it's a pillar of the format. Because you're playing Urza Saga, that means that you want your B grindstone, i.e. painter. And then from there, so like, let's look at red painter. From there, you'd want your C because you're playing painter grindstone. Now you want the goblins package. So you're, 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 you're playing of like, oh, like, yes, this all looks like it puts together. Like, yes, goblins want artifacts and there's a saga wants artifacts. And so it makes sense that they all go together. But being able to look at it as a, a structure of I'm playing Urza Saga because it's the legacy power level thing to do. Therefore, I want the painter package. Therefore, I want the goblin package. That's uh, goblin welder and goblin engineer for those who are, are curious. That means that that threefold, that ABC deck gives you the axis that that deck can play on. Yeah. Right now, the tools within each of those axes, you know, will vary, right? Like the goblins package, because you have the goblins package, that means that maybe you want your chaos defiler or your dragon engine or whatever. And because you're playing the painter package, that informs that you want some number of red blasts. And because you're playing the Urza Saga package, that means you want your shadow spear and, you know, your other bullets or whatever. Like those are uh, ancillary to the, 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 the structure of the deck, right? But it's like, you're not playing shadow spear because you're playing the goblins, right? You're playing it because you're playing Urza Saga. You're yeah. not playing red blasts because because you're playing Urza Saga or because you're playing the Goblins. You're playing it because Painter can make everything blue, you know? And then it just so happens that the format is predominantly blue, so it's favorable. But, like, you don't start there. You get there because you you have it in your, in your thing. So when you're looking at, okay, I want to... I find that I win most of my games or I'm I'm soft in a lot of ways when, I'm, when I don't have the Goblin package. Maybe your deck, as you're playing it right now, is situated where... You are actually looking at the goblins as you're you're trying to build it so that the goblins is your plan A, in which case you're leaning harder on tools that match your goblin package as opposed to your Urza Saga package. And this is and, and we can apply that similarly in the in the blue version where the goblins are replaced by Thai and Emery. And that is your that is your sort of your B plan from uh from Urza Saga, right? Yeah, I, it's interesting because like I think that the the way that the deck shift is like, yes, the Emery is sort of filling the same role as the Goblins in terms of the build, uh, because the A and B are the same, right? You're playing Urza Saga, therefore you want Painter, at least in the blue Painter versions. Yeah. And so therefore you want Emery. Emery itself is uh, is its own engine, which is why, like, if you ever play against Painter, any of these versions, they're foundationally really sound, right? Urza Saga does so much work in making sure that the rest of the deck is sound. Like, Red Painter existed before Urza Saga, right? It did. It, it, it was goblins, and then you would you would play your Imperial Recruiters to get your goblins or get your Painter. And the, the thing is, is, like, it feels like that deck isn't as strong without Urza Saga, and it's because it wasn't. It had one less axis that it was competing on. It didn't have the Urza Saga beatdown axis. It had the combo axis, and then tutor yeah. for the combo axis. And then it had, like, the incidental beats of, like, I can Imperial Recruiter for Imperial Recruiter for Imperial Recruiter. But that's, like, obviously way worse, right? Like, that's yeah. not really a reliable plan that you can build part of your deck around. You but know? they also but, played Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon uh, at times to to just lock, you know, uh, more greedy decks out of the, out of the game, too. And and that's the thing. Those, those Being able to cheese people, that, that understanding this sort of deck building theory also lets you identify which part of the deck when something like Urza Saga comes along 
to get rid of. In this case, it's really yeah. easy. You got rid of your blood moons. But yeah. it's funny because that was the A plan for that deck for so long, and then it became the C plan, and now it's not even in the plan anymore. You know, I, I honestly, I, I would, I would argue that it wasn't even in the plan at all. It was just filler. Yeah. Because the deck, the 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 plan A of the deck, because it wanted the painter combo. And so it wanted the painter combo, therefore it played Imperial Recruiter and Goblin Welder, and then it had nothing else going for it there, right? Like maybe you would see some people trying to dip into like playing uh, Sundering Titan or like some other fatty and playing, you know, Faithless Looting and Discard stuff because they they were leaning, they were trying to leverage getting a C plan outside of the combo. But because the deck didn't really have it, right, it, it didn't have that third pillar, it was much easier to attack because you could be like, all right, well, I'm just going to play No Rod. I'm going to shut off the painter combo, which also then turns off the goblin combo, the goblin part of the deck, unless they have something that can pivot around it, like moving into something like Sundering Titan or, or, or some other effect. So they just played Blood Moon as another means to like combat opposing strategies, but it didn't work within their deck beyond yeah. cheesing people, right? So it's not like it, it helped either side of the deck. And so you could have the draws where you're like, well, I have painter and a Blood Moon, and now my deck doesn't do anything this game. Whereas so let's like, talk you... about let's talk about this A plan, and I want to I want to kind of use uh, legacy decks as an example. So if we're looking at like the top you know the top decks from uh, from the format right now on MTG Goldfish, right? Let's let's just start with like I think the number one deck right now is is Reanimator. The A plan there is Reanimator. So right? yeah, I'll, so I'll say that like it for like really fast combo decks. The, the, the way that I would look at a combo deck like Reanimator or Storm or any of these decks that aren't looking to really go for the game to go past a couple turns, they aren't ABC in the same way of like they want to fight on different axes yeah. main board because they don't need to. The game is ending way too fast. Like you'll see that they they sort of fill this out in their 75, right? So like Blue Reanimator, historically, it's like, okay, your turn one is you're like, yes, obviously reanimation spells are a powerful ability. I want to play these reanimation spells. Therefore, I want the powerful fatties. Therefore, what's your third thing? Main board, you don't really need the third thing because the game ends when you do the first thing and yeah. you're optimized to do the first thing. But if you look at the 75 for like a blueback reanimator, when they move into show and tell, that's where they're going on their C plan, right? It's like, yeah. I want the reanimator effects. Therefore, I want Grizzlebrand and Atraxa. And then once they know that you have the hate to stop that access, which you otherwise shouldn't have main board, they fill out the ABC by moving into show and tell, right? I, I want the reanimator effects. Therefore, I want the fatties. Therefore, I want show and tell. Okay. So so we've got that going for the, the combo style decks. But let's talk about a deck like you know, we, we recently had a, an episode that a lot of people watched that was about the Toxic Infect deck. And I think that's a perfect example of building a deck using the ABC format because your A plan is, is Infect, right? You want to cast Invigorate Berserk on a uh, creature that is a 5-5, make it a 10-10, and kill your opponent with with an, uh, with a uh, Infect creature, right? The the B plan using Venerated Rot Priest to uh, add additional uh, points of Infect to, to your opponent. So that... As a, yeah, as a simple example to think of of infect and how rot priest looks like it opens up, uh, it opens up another axis of attack for a deck that like that. I, I should probably highlight that as a way to convey the the use of why it's ABC is that it's three different axes that your that you your deck can operate on. Yeah, and therefore those are the axes that your opponent would need to fight over, and being able to maneuver between the axes is how you 
can like maneuver between roles. It also informs sideboard deck uh, choices of how to like shut down those certain axes. So for infect, it's like, yes, I want to win through infect, which means that you need to win through combat, which means that you either you need evasion or things that offer evasion in the forms of like um, the the blue infect guy that can't be blocked or yeah. uh, ink moth Nessic that, that can fly. Glistener Elf just costs one because it's the most efficient, but otherwise it's lagging in that. But otherwise you're using things that to like help push through. So you want your trample or whatever. But for Venerated Rot Priest, which lets you do it outside of combat, that's where in that deck when we were looking at Venerated Rot Priest as a, as a new way to build Infect, it's because you're like, okay, yes, I want Infects. So you're playing the Infect creatures and you're playing the Pump Spells. But Venerated Rot Priest is a plan B letting you go, okay, now I just want stuff that targets outside of combat. And then that's where we move towards things like Giga Drows because you want things that can multiple target. So, yeah. but that, that, but then it- That's where Bounty the Hunt came into play, you know, where, where it fills both roles, you know? Yeah, now this is- this isn't to say that like you if you build and if you build the deck through abc deck building that it will make it so that your deck is viable that's different i've yeah, been playing sure. miracles since the, i've been <laughs> playing miracles at the top hand trying to fill the the b void that has been lost since sensei's divining top yeah when we had top miracles was definitely tier one right i wouldn't put miracles anywhere near tier one right now it's still not in the top the 15 decks phil but it can still follow the same suite of ABC deck building without. Yeah, of course. Like, so, 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 like the theory is still there, the the concept is still there, and it can work towards advancing the deck in a way that is 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 measurable. Because that that's the one thing to, that is really useful about this deck building theory or any other deck building theory is that when you're trying cards out, those tests mean nothing if they aren't measurable. Yeah. If you can't if if you can't actually catalog it and measure it compared to anything else that you've done. Which is also why it's like when you make changes to your deck, if you change so much of your deck and not know what is the what was the change that made the difference for better or for worse, or what was the how were you supposed to pilot the deck, right? Yeah. If well, you know, I mean, before we go too too far into that point, I want to I want to I want to preface all that with with I think the most important part of of legacy and 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 Imagine the Gathering period is like that Sun Tzu quote is like know yourself know your enemy so if you know your deck right as well as you can that's going to be the first step right yes and that's also where it's it's very helpful if for you piloting your own deck but it's also helpful when attacking an opposing deck because know your enemy. So, so 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 going going back to the to the painter thing to the the structure of painter yeah. painter is exceptional right now because it is so, in my mind, because it is so stable along all three axes of ABC, and all of the axes are potent enough to win games. Yeah. Like, you can win games through the Goblin Package and recurring engines out of your yard. You can win the game with the Painter combo. Urza Saga wins games by itself. Every single one of those axes are all viably good. Like, they're all, like, strong. Like, you could theoretically move each of them around along, along the ABC, and that, that would just determine, like, some other card choices within your deck. Right. Yeah, I guess like, I guess that's interesting because you can kind of think of the ABC deck plan as like a tier of of plans, right? And the closer all those tiers are to each other, the more consistent the deck is, right? The more consistent the deck is, but it also informs like if you open your hand, right? Let's say you open your hand and you've got a goblin, uh, you've got a goblin, a painter, and an Urza Saga all in it, with with, with the requisite mana to be able to cast the goblin. How are you supposed to navigate? What are you supposed to lead on, right? If you're in the blind, what are you supposed to lead on? And that's where you go, how did, how did I, con did I construct my deck with the A plan? W what is my A plan that I, like, to think like the legacy power level thing to do, that's, th that's the thing where you're like, in the blind, 
the first three to four turns of every game that I play, I want to execute this. That can change, right? Like you could course, build a painter yeah. deck where you go, I want to, I want to combo them with painter in the first three to four turns, every game in the dark. That's my plan going in. Or my plan is I want to pressure them with constructs and then backdoor the painter plan, right? Yeah. That could also be a way of, you could also lead with, I want to build, I want to build the engine with the goblins going, waste, waste their resources and grind them out and then beat them down with constructs in the aftermath or backdoor into the, into the painter plan. All of those are viable, but all of those suggest how you're supposed to navigate the early portion of the game. Now that can change, but if you're in the dark, knowing how you built your deck to optimize which of those is the one that you actually want to do, then means when you're thinking, how am I supposed to navigate this opening hand that is really flush with a lot of options? What am I supposed to do here? I have I have a question about, about this too, is, is how does like the transformative sideboard fit into this scenario too? Because like, is that a D plan? You know, like for for example, uh, I used to play Trinity Nemesis in my Infect deck as as like a backup plan. Where like if I just knew my opponent was running Removal Dot deck, I could just be like, I'll throw the, so, throw in a few true names and see what happens. I appreciate this question. I think that this is this is where using a uh, using an understanding of this kind of theory in your deck building not only can inform transformative uh, sideboards, but the the reason for doing so beyond just like oh my opponent might have some stuff. So I think yeah. I, I think transformative sideboards are not within the, the theory necessarily, right? Like yeah. when I look at I show agree. and tell out yeah. of reanimator, show and tell out of reanimator fits a plan. It, f it fulfills the rest of the structure that they don't need to. Like when, when we're looking at like that sort of painter hand, you're looking at a hand that the game could end in the first three turns, right? I could establish the combo and kill you if you don't interact with me, but I could also go long. I could grind. Yeah. Whereas reanimator is like, I'm putting a fatty in no matter what game one. I don't have a plan C. The axis I'm going with is I'm putting a fatty into play. And if I'm not putting a fatty into play, I'm just not doing anything this game, right? That's how the deck is constructed to be built. It's assuming that my opponent doesn't have the requisite interaction to fight on this axis to begin with. And therefore it is eschewing the need for a, a secondary plan, the way that any of the, any mid-range deck or, or wide painter so good, or uh, the way that Delver can pivot around different uh, positions. Like it doesn't need to do that because the game ends right? Storm doesn't need to do that because the game ends. Now, combos are a different thing. Combo has a different set yeah. of axes that it can fight on. But I like, mean, I mean, the, the difference in, in that would be like, back in the day when you played a combo deck like like Tricks, for instance, but you also threw uh, Frexing Negator into your deck to like beat combo decks, right? Like, or to beat yeah. control decks. So you were like, my A plan is donating Tricks to my opponent. My B plan is casting a five mana uh, creature, or sorry, a five, five on the first turn. And my C plan is, is loose. Yeah. I, I, so I, I would think about it like this. If I was trying to attack uh painter, right. I'm mm -hmm. playing a deck. I would, the, the reason that painter is so strong is because all three axes don't necessarily overlap with each other. So if I want to, if, if, if I'm thinking, Oh, I want to shut down painter. Let me play no rod. Well, no rod does not stop construct beatdown. No rod does not stop goblins chaos defiling you. At the same time, if you're like, okay, well, I want to shut off the Urza Saga, so I'm going to play Blood Moons, or I'm going to play, uh, you know, Alpine Moons, or, or some way to shut down the Urza Saga. It's like, great, doesn't stop Painter, doesn't stop the goblins, right? Having so few options that can fight on multiple different, on, on two, at least two out of three of those axes means that it's so hard to board against them. And if you, and if you as the Painter player see 
that they boarded in or are playing one of the things that operates well against you on one axis, you just move to another one, which is that, that kind of versatility within your deck and why having that kind of structure and knowing how to navigate those plans makes it easier to navigate around those sorts of opponents. Hey, the way that a storm pilot, it's like, if you are thinking, okay, I want to stop storm. There are certain ways that they like classic storm would be like, okay, I have uh, natural tendrils, I can chain tutor, or I can add nauseam, right? Or I can past in flames line. And yeah. if you play a rest in peace and shut down the past in flames line, they can still win the game, but the axis of the past in flames line is now cut off. So that means that the only axis that we're fighting on now is a natural tutor chain or a nauseam. So it's yeah. like, okay, if I can shut down, if I'm shutting down that one axis by getting rid of the graveyard with a ley line of the void or whatever, then the rest of my hate to combat them should be fighting over that side, which means that I need to either stop them from being able to get mana, or I would need to, which is like stopping their LEDs, stopping the, the dark rituals. With, so that would be like no rods, fluster storms, whatever. Cause that like, I want to stop that axis and pigeonhole them having to go down one, because once they're pigeonholed to go down one axis, they have to put all of their cantrips into getting them into that one axis. It just narrows their, their ways that they can win the game. When you're playing against painter, it's like, it, it feels tough to beat that deck because a no rod doesn't only shuts down one side and then they have two other potent plans. So you, it's like, well, now I need a no rod. I need a blood moon. I need a, a, a I need, you know, fucking curse totem shit. Like, you know, you know, like you, you sometimes have to reach into like stuff that seems nonsensical, but it makes way more sense when you're thinking one of their axis is activating goblins, like goblin activations. How do I shut down activations of creatures? If that's the axis I need to shut down. And that informs you looking towards that type of thing. And then you look at the meta at large and go, okay, what other decks? have abilities similar to goblins activated abilities of creatures and then what are the cards that shut that shit down right yeah. i want i want wrath effects i want uh you know is it static caster to shoot down the god whatever you know what i mean so i was just gonna say if if uh if you're watching this or listening to this and you're getting value out of it this is a great time to to, to hit the like button to to just prove that we're we're doing a good job on, on this uh and and commenting below about about what your thoughts are on on abc deck building as well um he, he, but the, but yeah please continue Understanding this sort of deck building theory, it, it, being able to articulate why you make the choices that you make at certain positions in a game where it's like, well, you could have done this or you could have done that. If somebody goes, why did you do this? If you're thinking to yourself, well, in the role, I thought the best axis that I had to win was doing the B plan of my strategy, right? It's I, I think about it when I was watching, um, you know, I watch streams and I'd watch people play four color control, like, like pre-ban, right? So it's like, Expressive iteration, Uro, Minsk control, and trying to think like, okay, you have options, right? You can either recast Uro, you can play Minsk, which, which what's the better way to go here? Are you looking to grind or are you looking to close the door? Uh, identifying that, given how the matchup plays out and what their sideboard is likely to be in terms of how they, they stop you, it, it is similar as to why Caracas was such a good sideboard card or hate card against four color control, right? Because one of their plans was Uro. One of their plans was Minsk. Yeah. Both plans or are shut down by Caracas. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the the reason that that deck struggled and then that deck co felt compelled to play like the Lone Wasteland package because yeah. it had to solve a problem that it was it, Yeah, exactly. It had to it had but, to be like, ready for 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 a decks that decks that were playing Wasteland, but it also had to be aware of the fact that like they're going to like there's a card that just shuts them down completely. They can't they not that they can't win, but it's very very grindy if they don't deal with that. But it's also an example of that deck at any point when Caracas was constantly just like making their lives miserable, at any point they could have moved away from either one of those things, yeah. right? They Like Minsk is the most powerful Planeswalker, but there are plenty of four drop Planeswalkers that that deck could have played with, with that kind of mana 
particularly given that if it wanted to stretch its colors, it wouldn't need to play the two wastelands requisite colors otherwise, right? Because the, the, the main part of that plan was I'm, I'm looking to one-for-one one card you, right? I have this white removal and expressive iteration. So I, I want to one-for-one one you into the ground. Therefore, I want Uro because Uro bears you when we're one-for-oneing. And then at the top end, I need to be able to close the door fast. I want mints. It, it comes together if like depending on which axis that you want to play on. Karaka shut down two of them. And so yeah. then they were like, well, I don't want to leave the axis. I'm going to move into wasteland loam. At any point, it, they could have made, they, they could have embarrassed the Caracas players by being like, okay, nice Caracas, dude. I just won't play Uro. I'm going to slam my, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I say Jace the Mind Sculptor, but literally any other big four drop threat that like can close the game fast. Yeah. You, know, is, you can you know, play in way, Gideon if you wanted to. Yeah. It, you, I mean, you can win with a ham sandwich once you have once you have something on the board that can win, right? Like, well, you, it's, it's just it, choosing that, example choosing is, that condition that doesn't that doesn't lose to Caracas at that point. That example is like the the reason why it never, like four color control was a good deck, but it never felt like it was an unbeatable deck because there were a lot of, there were hate cards that crossed over multiple parts of its of its pillars that, that make the deck, right? That's Caracas why I'm so surprised that Reanimator is doing so good right now because that's a deck that like everybody, everybody has hate for. And I feel like, like, I know I always say this, if you just like turn the Eye of Sauron onto like Reanimator, the deck fizzles, right? Well, it, and it depends on how hard people are going on it. It depends on how hard that they're going onto one axis because post-board, like here's the thing, right? That deck is very, like the better that that deck gets a its, its additional pillar out of show and tell post-board, it's already going to be favored. All those combo decks are favored game one, right? It's similar to like how Doomsday is always favored game one. It's because they're focused on doing one thing, regardless of what you're doing across the table. It's yeah. like, all I need to do is this one thing and I'm guaranteed to win. If I put Grizzlebrand into play in the first two turns, I'm guaranteed to win. So as long as I can do that, I can put every other facet of my deck on fulfilling that plan, the legacy power level thing to do. When I do the legacy power level thing to do, I win no matter what. Where it's like, for Painter, if you play an Urza Saga as your legacy power level thing to do, it's you are going to win a lot of games, but it's not a de facto, it's not a, a an auto de facto win the same way that putting a grizzle brand into play is, right? Like they, they are at different levels. I, I was just gonna say that like one once you move into so it's like if you're favored to win game one, reanimator being really consistent and and uh, as a potent deck or a potent strategy is once they move into post board, you can't just board for them off of their A plan. You now yeah. have to board for their A and their C plan. Now yeah. that means that like you have to be able to combat both something fighting out of the graveyard. And something like show and tell, putting it on like on a stack. All of that stuff is to say that like stuff like Flusterstorm is good, but they have access to things like Anime Dead that don't care about Flusterstorm. Exactly. So yeah. in informing your choices around like those types of things. However, Reanimator should still be easy in that like or, or or easier in that they have two plans afterwards, right? Like their 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 B plan of of I I want reanimation spells, therefore I want fatties, therefore I want show and tell. The fatties they aren't doing anything by themselves. Like if you get to the space where they're hard casting a fatty, good on you. You're probably yeah. I mean that's game. You yeah. Know that's, I mean? that's too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't do it the, the way that like I want Urza Saga, therefore I want the Painter combo. It's like well, you can do the Painter combo without Urza Saga, right? Like yeah. you don't need it. It, it definitely boons it, but you don't need it. I think an interesting part of the of the current Reanimator package now is that there is sort of a B. It's not it's not not reanimating stuff. It, it but the B plan is like cast grief. And then reanimate grief and just try and get in with grief as much as you can, sort of like a Delver kind of package where you're like protecting the queen. Yeah, from from this standpoint of like how you're going in, like I unless you, unless they the player is going in thinking I want to play grief and reanimate it and that's my plan. Yeah, if that's not 
they have to be going in as that's the plan and then trying to support that plan. Yeah. And then what what would that mean then? Okay, well, if if there are two if they if they somehow get two creatures on the board, your three two sucks. You know, like it, you you'd have to maneuver your deck, which is why it's like I'm when when a, a reanimator opponent griefs reanimate griefs me and mind mind twists me and then like is just beating me down with a three two and then we're in a top deck war. I'm never thinking like it, it's something that their deck can do. Yeah. But it's not what their deck's trying to do. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not building my sideboard plan out, trying to combat them over something their deck can do incidentally. I'm trying yeah. to stop the thing that they are trying to do, that they have built their deck to do. I want to stop their intent, not the possibilities of things that are incidental. Well, okay. So, so with that in mind, uh, and and that sort of play play pattern in mind, one of the things I wanted to uh, like kind of highlight is is remember what, back when I was playing the uh, Bug Death Shadow deck. The obvious A plan of that deck is get Death Shadow out, attack, right? But there is like a weird, like Delver of Secrets, Stifle Wasteland package in there. But there's also the Berserk and uh, and Reanimate packages in there. So that deck has a lot of different angles you can play on, but they all kind of go with the exact same thing. You want to get your life total low and attack with a giant Berserk uh, Death Shadow, you know? So and, and it's interesting because that is an example of where you could move those pillars around and that would inform how you would want to navigate your plan. Reanimating a uh, Street Wraith is not the best play in the deck, but it does inform getting your life total much lower faster to play a uh, to play a Death Shadow a little bit earlier. So an example of how, the, how ABC deck building would inform Death Shadow. Uh, and this is why I'm saying like, there isn't one way to do it, right? Like yeah. you could absolutely build your decks with uh, any other theory that is is different from ABC. But for ABC, if you're saying my plan A is Death Shadow, I want to do Death Shadow no matter what. I, like if that was the plan A, then my B would be doing things that way more aggressively limit, get my life total down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like beyond the incidental stuff, like force beyond thought sees and yeah, beyond thought sees. I, 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 uh, I would be, I, I would want to like, I'd be trying to like suicide black myself, you know. Yeah. Like to to get me to get me low because I'm I'm trying to to get to get you dead. Similar to like Delver, if you're like I want to disrupt my opponent, and I feel like instead of instead of like if you were to look at like classic Delver where you're like stifle, you know, I want to play like Days Wasteland stifle as like my mana denial package, and therefore I want cheap threats that can like operate on a single mana and therefore it's like if you were looking at death shadow if you were thinking to yourself well i don't think that mana denial with stifle is actually the best way to optimize day's wasteland right like if day's wasteland is as a means of disruption is the legacy power level thing to do right like if i stymie my opponent's mana if i'm a, if i mana denial that also then if you go and think well if if i were to incorporate thought into that denial and then therefore i want death shadow and then therefore I want Berserk Dress Down. If I were looking at Death Shadow from ABC, I would be looking at the legacy power level thing to do is Day's Wasteland Shell, right? Correct. And, yeah. and by, by Day's Wastelanding, Thought Seize fits into that in a way that is different from Stifle. Stifle is exacerbating that shell, right? Where Thought Seize is pigeonholing it. For example, if I Thought Seize my opponent and I see that they have a three drop in their hand, I'm not. I'm going to leave them with the three drop because my plan is to deny them mana, and then they're not going to be able to get to that point, or yeah. they're going to get to that point, and then Days will be able to clean it up, right? Like I'm going to navigate them down the path that my plan A is going to be optimized, and then that plan A is getting me to Death Shadow because I'm doing. I'm, I, I am way more efficient through the use of 
thought season street wraith or whatever but you, but you see, like, I, I'm shifting from where you're thinking, Death Shadow is my plan A. And if Death Shadow is my plan A, I'd be going, I want Death Shadow, therefore I want fucking Sylvan Library, you know? Because yeah. I want I, I mean, I to just ape myself. Yeah. I want to yeah, yeah. myself every turn to get me low enough to make sure that I can do my Death Shadow on turn two or three every single game in the dark, right? Yeah. Like, that's my plan A. I want to do it, therefore I need the means to do it. So I'm going to I'm gonna fucking, everything to get my life total below 13, I'm going to aggressively shock fetch or whatever to, to get it down. That's what you're trying to do. You're like, yeah. I have identified that this is the legacy power level thing to do. If the deck, if the if the room is full of swords to plowshares and fucking prismatic uh, ending so is another problem. And solitude you know? and prismatic and solitude, ending. Yeah. It's like it's like okay, Death Shadow may not be the best plan A. It could be a solid plan B, right? Like yeah. you you can deny your opponents off of white mana it, potentially in some meta games, right? If you're, if the room is full of four color and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna deny them white mana and I'm gonna navigate into position to get them out of white mana and then I'm gonna sneak this in and kill them. Like that's way more potent of, of of identifying how to build your deck into a given meta using ABC theory than you you know what I'm saying like that, yeah, exactly. but that's what I mean no, where it's like 100%. you and I can both look at Death Shadow and it's like you're thinking I want Death Shadow to be the thing I'm doing every time well that's going to inform your decisions way differently than if I'm looking at Days Wasteland as my as my plan A and then Death Shadow is the plan B as opposed to like you know Delver DRC or whatever you know what yeah. I mean. And I think that's being, that's kind of a, a a good a good place to to like end it is like we we now understand like what the A B and C of A B and C deck building is we understand how to implement it and we've seen it in decks that we we know we know about and some other decks that we we've sort of theory crafted as well. Yeah, it, it is essentially identify the legacy power level thing to do. Understand which of the axes that that enables the rest of your deck to build around. It, it, it informs how you play your deck. It informs how your opponent is supposed to contend against your deck. And it yeah. also lets you know that when you see things out of the sideboard of your opponent, you can see what axis they're prepared for. So if you go into game two and they have boarded in something that shut you down because you weren't expecting it, you can go into game three changing your sideboard around being like i want to maximize my c plan because they're yeah. very well prepared for my a plan i want to max or, or vice versa or whatever you know like it lets you in the moment be able to make more informed decisions about how to navigate your role in a matchup based on the tools that you're seeing because you've identified what are the things that this axis cares about does my opponent have that or not great i'm going to exploit them on this axis or i'm going to move around that axis and then similarly if you're thinking to yourself well the, this deck this strategy that i have doesn't really have a way for me to maneuver across three pillars, right? When you were talking about transformational sideboards, Infect doesn't really have, did, didn't have the means to be like, my plan A is Infect, therefore I want pump spells. It doesn't really leave much room yeah, that's for much it. else in that space, right? Like <laughs> that, I, was, I, that, I, was the, that was that, the game that, plan back That kind of yeah. was the thing. And so it's yeah. like, if people knew not to fight with me in combat and then we spent resources, it's like either I can outgrind them and try to continue forcing my plan A into the ground until I get them. Hopefully the metagame is well-situated for that. Or I can just transform, which means that I'm looking at a whole different axis and I'm built, I'm, I'm transforming my deck to now play along that axis, a, a different legacy power level thing to do, right? Like in my mind, a transform of transformational sideboard should be a new plan A, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just shifting, I'm transforming my deck. That is why it's transformational. I'm transforming to a new plan A that I want to execute every time I transform. It, well, I'm, is... I think I think the thing I'm coming to terms with with ABC deck building is it's not so much about it, well it is very much about deck building, but it's also more of a philosophy of play as well. And I think that and I think that is is one of the main differences between like 
what we mean and what we and what, I, what you hear when we say one hundred percent. If that if that's a way, a better way to like articulate how to convey this sort of I, this idea, this deck building philosophy. Yes, it's it's not necessarily going to make it so that any deck can work under this structure. It is letting you know whether or not it can. Yeah, yeah. like it, it, it being a philosophy is is uh, probably a, a more succinct way to like actually put it up as opposed to like a a, a way to build decks. It, it's. Yeah, that, I I hope that that determined you being able to articulate that as a philosophy is is helpful for for people listening, and it also lets you know like when you are making those decisions, when you are looking like okay, I want to solve this problem. You're looking what axis of my deck is this an issue for, right? Like I want to solve a problem. Well, what is that problem causing you? Why is it fucking you up? Is it what part of your deck is it stopping? Because if you want to solve that problem, then you want to you're looking to bolster that side. It's like my opponents keep playing shit that turns off my Urza sagas. Yeah. I need to solve the problem for that. It's like now you're making choices to bolster your plan A or however you want or bolster your plan B, or however you want to situate it in your deck. Making that decision, making that sort of idea to inform that choice and then putting it through the process of playtesting it to determine whether or not that's a successful a successful choice, a successful card to play to do the goal of I want to bolster this plan, whether it does or it doesn't, that's a measurable progress that you can then go, okay, either this works or it doesn't. And now I want to either continue that plan or move away from it. And that informs your deck. Yeah. Right. That informs your your deck choice, your deck plan. Yes. Well, one of the one of the wonderful things about this this uh, philosophy is that it's it's not just a legacy thing. It can be used in any it can be used in draft, even, you know, technically. Uh but uh in those types of, in in draft it'll be a little bit more it's 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 a little bit more um like it it's not as archetype has that, has well, that it, it, ability, it's like right? it's not as precise right it's not, yeah. it's not definitively as precise but let's say in your pack one pick one you open a card right and you're like oh this is this is powerful <clears throat> i want to play this if you think to yourself going in for the rest of the picks until something changes this is my plan a the thing yeah. i want to do Every single game, and where in, in Legacy, when you can optimize and you can be like, I want it to happen in the first two to three turns, right? Because they're like, my deck is optimized to do a thing. Whereas in draft, it's like, it may be a five drop bomb, but it yeah. may be that I want to do everything I can to ensure that I can hit five minute and slam this because that's my plan A, right? Yeah. And so everything, so therefore I want more removal because I want to slow the game down. I want to, you know, like, as opposed to taking another bomb, like it might be better because you're like, I need to optimize my plan A. And then if you see something along the, the the sack outlets or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is really good. I could shift into this if the game gets really fast. I could board mm -hmm. it to be a little bit more aggressive. Like, yeah, the, the philosophy is still there. So homework for, for anybody still listening, down below in the comments, comment on what your what your deck is and uh, how, it, how you can apply ABC deck building. I'll be in the comments. You know I answer, I, I react and answer to every comment. So, uh Go ahead and do that, and we'll we'll talk about it in the comments. As always, you can hit us up in the Discord. Uh, that link is below. We're there all the time. Uh, honestly, we're there all the time talking about ABC yeah. deck building as well. And, yeah, uh, I, I was just yeah. saying, I have people people do reach out on the Discord. Like, feel free to like ha happy to help out. Like, yeah, help uh, identify these ideas for people. W one of the things to to note is when people when you are talking about ABC deck building with other people and like trying to solve a problem, anytime you are like. Have you like uh, somebody goes? Have you considered this card? Have you tried this card? I, the, like ideally, you would be able to look at that card, identify which part of the deck you are thinking that this person is suggesting that you bolster. Like, why would I want this card? It's like, oh, well, I would want it because it supports this plan. And then if you go, I understand. I'm trying to optimize the 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 plan A of the deck, which is this. So this card that you are suggesting 
is good if I was trying to do that, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to solve this problem. Right. So it, it helps you guys, it helps everybody get on the same. Yeah. It helps you communicate. Uh, yeah. It helps us communicate what we're trying to do. Right. You saying, I want to do death shadow every turn, every game. And I'm thinking, well, have you considered Sylvan library? And you're like, well, why would I want Sylvan library? That slows the game down. I'm looking to get him dead. And, and I'm thinking it's like, no, it's going to get you so you can pay eight every time. Right. But we, at that point we were talking on, you were thinking of a plan a, and I was not right. Yeah. Or vice versa. You know what I mean? But it's like, if we can both identify that as a means to communicate with each other and articulate our ideas, that can be helpful because then we can put more brain power towards trying to solve the same deck. If, if it's not immediately apparent, right? Like like the 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 painter deck sort of kind of build, like Urza Saga kind of informs painter, which informs goblins, right? Like it's it's way more natural for yeah. like that sort of thing to happen. But it's, uh, you can, you really can apply it to pretty much any deck in the, in the format, so. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe, share, uh, share, especially this episode. This is a great episode to share with people. Yeah, that does it for this for this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for getting us to 500. This is sort of a bonus episode for getting us to 500. Yeah, that's it. Have a good one, everybody. Have a great week. Man, Fossil Phil, you ain't know what the fuck you talking about, bro. You ain't no blue mage. Hey, like I ain't spent since Divine Top. Like I ain't tried to set up a miracle seven minute time walk. Tapping and casting the kind of magic that's slapping all of the magic. You're stacking the flack in the back end of cavern back of flashing and back. You're saddened by my lack of compassion. Boy, you're slacking, I'm snacking. Like I ain't the best to play this game. Force the negation targets your past in flames. Like I ain't been to infinite convention centers where the magic Twitter hashtag really ain't the same. Like I ain't frightening, never through lightning. Like I ain't lost money trying to buy out Brightling. Like I ain't a fixture, think a big picture. Shuffle back my graveyard, drink an elixir. You know I'm sculpting your mind, we'll go into time easy. Raveling time, the stack is all mine. Sleazy. Heart in the veil, forcing your spell. Always shuffling ponders and ask if you would like to reveal seriously like i never got choked never got cataclysm to crater hope like i never ever stared at a devil or a chalice to shepherd and planned out every way that i could kill myself so pray tell what if what's never happened how much more time in life would i spend being happy would it be a travesty to never see the epiphany of seeing a miracle against so drowsy getting splattered like i ain't smart like i ain't hard like i ain't sweet with the border drawing three cards like i ain't chic like i ain't slick like i ain't properly stacking these predicts like i ain't Terminus the shit out your board, bro. Terminus the shit out your board.